0: Let's see if our uh, stand works today. That's perfect. Thank you, Danny. You're the man. As as Danny mentioned before, let me just give a quick disclaimer. Today is going to be very different. You've already seen that Lagos is different in a number of ways, and in fact, the sermon is going to end as different as it could possibly end today, and so be ready for that. So we're going to kind of get going and working through the sermon, and we're going to build up to a specific point, and things are going to get very different very fast, but bear with us as we do something unique, because this is a big day uh, in the life of our church. So with that said, let's turn to our text. It'll be on the screens. You'll also see it uh, in your reading sheet, 1 Samuel 28, 16 through 19. So let's stand and let's read that together. This then is the text for today. Samuel said, Why then do you ask me, since the Lord has departed from you and has become your adversary? The Lord has done accordingly as he spoke through me, for the Lord has torn the kingdom out of your hand and given it to your neighbor David, and as you did not obey the Lord and did not execute his fierce wrath on Amalek, so the Lord has done this thing to you this day." Moreover, the Lord will also give over Israel along with you into the hands of the Philistines. Therefore, tomorrow you and your sons will be with me. Indeed, the Lord will give over the army of Israel into the hands of the Philistines. May God bless the reading of his word. When you are down to the last resort, you are in trouble. It's those times in your life when there's no one else to talk to. Those moments in your life where it feels like everything is caving in on you. In fact, everything has caved in and life is at this moment where there seems to be no decision. There seems to be no voice. There seems to be no other way because the rubble surrounds you. And the only way out, in fact, the only way forward, it seems for you to die a slow death in the midst of the rubble because there is no way out. And that's where Saul is today. He he is in this last resort, no way out. And when we get in these moments, we make rash decisions. We we get emotional, we we get upset, and, and then we start to do things we would never do otherwise. In fact, when there's no other options, it sort of brings out a different side of ourselves that often we don't know very well until it sort of bubbles up in these moments of intense pressure when life is caved in on us. So when there's no other options, what do you do? Who do you turn to? Where do you go when there are seemingly no other options in your life? Because this is where Saul was. This is exactly where Saul was in 1 Samuel 28. He, he's, he's at the end. He's at his last resort. In fact, if you read the text as a whole, the, the, if you've read through from, from 27, 28, 29, 30, 31, you see all of this coming together. The Philistine army is crashing in from every side on Saul. He knew that, that he was outnumbered and, and he knew what he wanted to do. And he knew he wanted all of this to finally be over. He's the king. His, his nation. His people are supposed to rise up. And here it is. He, he looks like it's all over. It looks like there's, there's no one else that's going to give him a word of encouragement. And it's coming to this moment of death. He tries talking to God. And that didn't seem to work. That, that, that was a resort for him. That was something he was going to try. He was going to cry out to God and say, God, you tell me what to do. Be- Because I'm stuck. And I'm here. I've got got nothing else. What do I do? And so he didn't know. And the only person that that King Saul could think of. He's like, I I remember Samuel. The, The one person that seemed to be close to God. And knew the word of the Lord. Was Samuel. And so I need to find a way to hear the voice of Samuel. Because Samuel was close to God. But the difficulty with that, we hear the first part of the story and we know the rest of the story because we've already been told in 1 Samuel that Samuel is dead. And so instead of that being the truth and instead of that being reality, King Saul decides, well, maybe we can can get his spirit up from the dead somehow. See, He's really close here. He He wants to hear from God. He wants to hear from a prophet of God. And he knows he should listen to Samuel And you would think, we would think, for us, that would be the end of the conversation. That maybe we would find other ways to seek out God's voice. We would listen to God in some other way. You might think that that King Saul would would dive into the scriptures. He would spend spend the, the night in prayer again. He would finally get on his knees and repent. Of all those ways, he's been disobedient. Maybe if he would get on his knees and repent and say, I'm sorry, Lord, then maybe God would speak to him. That, that's what we would do. That's, that's, what, that's what we're taught in Scripture to do. If he would get on his knees and pray and, and maybe uh, send out an olive branch to David, then maybe the voice of God would come down to him and he, he would hear clearly and have some kind of redemption. But that's not where he goes. His last resort is something different. His last resort isn't at the feet of our Lord and Savior. His last resort, where he comes up with his mind, well, maybe I will go see this medium, this witch at Endor. This, this medium says she can raise up dead spirits out of the grave. Maybe that's my option that, that I need to consider. So you see how close to the truth King Saul he is here, but he's so far away, it's unimaginable. He, he, he wanted to hear God. He wanted a prophet, but you can't go to a witch or a medium to hear from a dead prophet. That's not a last resort. That's not even an option. It's explicitly forget, uh, forbidden all through our texts. But he does it anyway. He goes and he does it. And this this lady. It so happens as 1 Samuel 28 goes. It just before what we read earlier. She raises up Samuel out of the grave. It's one of the most intriguing passages in the Bible. It's, it's really all alone. The, 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 the way all of this happens, what seems to happen in this text, is unique. Completely in Scripture. And so it's easy to misinterpret this passage. It's easy to go, to, go down some dark roads with this passage. But, but let me give you, this is what we got listed in your listening sheet. There's a few scholarly options that are out there that they try to make sense of this passage. And so those start with, with maybe this woman was an evil woman and she raised up a demon out of the graves. Maybe she raised up a demon that looks like Samuel. Or maybe, and this is the, the second one is the one I lean more towards. And this is what I think was happening in this moment. As all of this is happening... God, God gives this woman a a vision and she does see Samuel, but it's all the work of God. In fact, if you work through this and you see in verses like 12 and 13 and 14, this this happens and there's Samuel is sort of showing up on the scene, but it's only this woman who sees him. In fact, she gets scared and she gets freaked out and she starts to scream and she starts to say, what's happening here? And actually King Saul has to calm her down and say, no, 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 you just tell me what you're seeing. Fill, fill me in on what's happening here. And all that leads me to believe that this this is God that's up to something. God is using this moment to speak into King Saul's life. And, and he, he uses this this vision. This Samuel kind of shows up on the scene to speak the truth. And God sort of makes it all happen. There's a couple other options too that scholars point to that, that maybe this woman could do it. Um, there's no scripture other, otherwise that would even point that this would be possible. But, but maybe she was a necromancer and she could speak to dead people or, or something like that. No, but there's really no, no evidence that, that that's possible. Or maybe she was just a, a con woman. That maybe she was saying things, what, what she tells David, or excuse me, what she tells King Saul is what King Saul already knows. It's already been proclaimed multiple times in 1 Samuel. We already know it well. We know the message that's going to be said. This army that's, that's crashing in on them, it's completely obvious what's about to happen. And so she just speaks as a good con woman medium what everybody knows and just tells Saul this inevitable outcome that's going to happen. Maybe, maybe that's the case. I don't know. But what, what I lean towards here in this unique passage is that God was intervening in this moment and in this way, he has this, this vision, this Samuel that shows up and speaks the truth. To King Saul, I'm quite certain it was God at work. But frankly, it doesn't matter what you think the solution here to this dilemma, if if you think it's necromancy or something like that. Because the truth of it is, it doesn't matter who your last resort is. It doesn't matter who you run to in these final moments, in these most difficult moments of your life. It doesn't matter who you run to because it is our Lord and Savior. It is our God above who always has the final word in our lives. You see, as this plays out, what is spoken What's the truth spoken into King Saul's life? It is the word of God. And it's the very same unchanging word of God that has been spoken all through the text so far. King Saul is coming to this woman and he's wanting to speak to Samuel again because he wants something different. The the future that's in front of him is is certain. He has been disobedient. And he has been told time and time again what disobedience leads to. And you are about to face a complete destruction and tear down the whole nation of Israel as they knew it at the time. You are about to face all of that. That is the the truth that you have been told time and time again because you were disobedient. And he didn't want to hear it. And that's not what he wanted to see. So he's coming back to God saying, God, tell me something different. He's coming to this dead one. Tell me something different. And God tells him the same thing. I am certain. It's the same word I have told you all along. There's no new word for you. You can't hear from me, one, because sin has gotten in the way. And you can't hear from me, two, because it's the same word. And you aren't listening to it. I'm telling you over and over again, you just don't want to hear it. How often do we come to these moments in our lives where we say, God's not speaking to me. And really what we're saying is, I don't want to hear what God is telling me today. Because really that's where King Saul was in this moment. Sin had blinded him and he really just didn't want to hear what God had to say. But God was saying, it's the same thing. Even with this unique scene of of Samuel rising up in this vision, it's the same word. Your disobedience is leading to your destruction. It's only obedience to God that will cause you to flourish and for you to find peace and hope in your life. Come back to me. God has the final word always, no matter who you run to. I mean, you could think it was a demon disguised as Samuel or whatever. You could think this woman was a con artist. But even if you think it's one of those, the message was still the same. That God has the final word. And King Saul gets it. He gets it here spelled out completely to him. You are disobedient and you're being punished for it. You've never been sincerely repentant in this whole ordeal. We have studied 1 Samuel and we've studied King Saul for about 13 weeks here. And you see it all through it. He never gets it. He never really gets on his knees in repentance, and his life never changes. There's some moments where he has some tears in his eyes, and he says, oh, God, forgive me, but, but he continues the same model of behavior over and over again. His behavior never changed, and, and he's really not knowing and experiencing repentance in his heart because it doesn't change. It's the same thing over and over again, and it's the same kind of disobedience that leads to destruction happening day after day after day in his life. That's what he was doing no matter where you go, and no matter what you do, God's word is still going to be the final word in your life. As much as you fight it, and as much as as we push, push back against it, God's word is final. And this is what we follow completely. You know, in everything we do, Whether we want it to be or not, God's word reigns supreme in this world. See, with a single word, God spoke this world into existence. And with a single word, God whispers our futures. You know, it seems as though we run our future through all kinds of people. Sometimes we even run our futures through magic eight balls or something like that. But the only opinion that that matters in our futures... Whether, whether we're going off to college or, or whether we're having a new baby or whether we're determining what to do in retirement, where, wherever we are in life, the only word that matters is the word of God. And see, I think we, we all realize, or we all behave a lot more like King Saul than we realize. That we know what God says. We really do already know what God desires of us. But we search out a second opinion, hoping someone else will give us a green light on fleshly indulgence. But you're not going to find it here. You're not going to find it from our God. See, even when we do get that green light from a friend, it doesn't matter if they were your last resort or they told you it was okay. Because it's our God that matters. His final word. You see, and, and as you hear God's word spoken into your life and spoken over your life, whether, whether that word is judgment, like it was on King Saul, or blessing, like it was on King David, it's, it's really up to you where that path goes. But God is always going to have the final word. See, Saul, Saul was looking out in the future, and, and much to his pain, it was certain in fact, the only thing that was going to change this destruction that was in front of him was sincere obedience where he repented and changed his life completely. But that, that wasn't going to happen. He didn't like it. So you can go down that road, a disobedient road, or you can choose to be obedient and see a different kind of future. A future that, that God causes you to flourish and, and brings you into to vibrant life. In the kingdom of God. Serving him completely with all that you are. That's certain too. See really, really what, what King Saul wanted was, was something uncertain. He wanted a lot more questions when God was saying it's really pretty simple. You're either obedient to me. And life happens. Or you're disobedient to me. And destruction comes quickly. Life really is that certain. It's this road or the other. Scripture lays these paths out before you. And we're, we're looking out into the future. And that, that future is certain. And that future is bright. For our seniors, it is certain and it is bright. For us as individuals in this church, it is certain. And it is bright. And for this Lagos congregation, it is certain and it is bright. I'm excited. I want to tell you kind of a quick aside some of the things that God has been showing me since I've been here. So I've been, been pastor here for about 10 months now, getting, getting close to that. And people are, people are now starting to wonder what are we seeing? What's in the future? And you're going to hear me talk more and more about the future. Because so far, all along the way, what I've been been talking about is the past. And talking about what I'm seeing and what I'm learning from you. And that's what I've been doing. I've been taking notes. What I'm seeing, what I'm learning. But one of the things that that God has started to reveal to me about the future, He's given me three words. And I want you to know those three words in particular. Now, this is over the church as a whole. And I feel like this this is certain for us. This is ways that we can be obedient. Okay? And God's telling us to focus on these three things. To repent... To witness and disciple. So you're going to hear me talk about those often. I hope you hear me say the word repent because you're going to hear me say it over and over again. That's who we need to be. So repent and that will lead us to witnessing. That's going to lead us to discipling. And you're going you're to hear that come and that can that flourish. That's one of the certain things that are coming.